0: Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to Church on the Rock. And I am a guest speaker here today. Um, And I got to say, this is one of the most awkward experiences of my life. And I've had some awkward experiences. I was awkward all through middle school. You know, I look like Ralphie from A Christmas Story growing up. You ever seen that movie? You you'll shoot your eye out, kid. But uh, luckily, I have a spiritual hype man. One dude right here in the middle, a congregation of one. Not that the camera guys don't count. Uh but my cousin Paul came here to uh, to support me in this so it's a little less awkward I can maintain eye contact with him. Let's kick it off with a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you that we have an opportunity to carry your word and to glorify you in the middle of a pandemic, this so-called pandemic, this crisis Lord and we just pray that we would take to heart the opportunities that we've been given that we take these opportunities and that we would Seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in all that we do, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, some of y'all may know me. My name is Sky Barkley, and I've had the opportunities to speak at Church on the Rock a couple of times. But for those of you who don't, I'm a missionary. My wife and I work with an organization called the Free Burma Rangers, and we're based out of Pageland, South Carolina. Uh, We stay there about three months out of the year. Um, And my wife is currently six months pregnant. I'm super excited and also terrified. And uh, I'm not actually I'm not even that terrified because everybody tells me that your first kid's the easiest and uh, that I have nothing to worry about. So I'm I'm not even stressing it. Uh, We work with the Free Burma Rangers for about three years and it was founded 25 years ago by a former special forces uh, officer by the name of David Eubank. David Eubanks, a hero to me and to a lot of people, this guy during the crisis in northern Burma when the Burmese army was oppressing the ethnics, he picked up two backpacks of medicine and walked in, listening and uh, being obedient to God the whole way. And as he went in, he met some of the ethnics, uh, some of the ethnic medics who wanted to help and serve their people, and he started getting a number of followers, and today we have uh, 80 ethnic teams in that country, Uh, the teams are about four to five members, and they uh, do medical on the front line, they report on humanitarian rights violations, they do the Good Life Club, which is a children's program that uh, allows children the opportunities to be just that, children. And uh, after some time, uh, the Free Burma Rangers expanded their operation into Sudan and Syria and Iraq. I myself spend most of my time in the Middle East. I, uh, I both love it and hate it there. It's a challenging, challenging area. And yet I've grown to love uh, people who I once hated. Uh, I used to uh, work in the Marine Corps. I was a Marine for four years and always will be. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And I used to hate uh, the people in that part of the world because I considered the enemy. But when I was transformed by the renewing of my mind by Jesus Christ... I realized that hatred is not something that we can embrace. We have to reject it and instead choose love. And that's something that we can all choose each and every day. And although we work with the free Burma Rangers, we don't get paid. Um, We're just volunteers. My wife and I raise support through Here's Hope Ministries, which is a 501c3. So if you do choose to give to uh, our ministry, you get a tax break. And of course, that's what it's all about. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Now. When I prayed and asked the Lord to show me what to speak about today, my first thought was, really? You're going to give me that? I thought it was a little bit uh, cliche. I, I've, I've heard this verse quoted so much in the midst of this, you know, so-called pandemic. I thought, no one is even going to listen. This, they've probably heard it 30 times already. But when the Lord gives you a word, when the Lord gives you something, it's better to take it and run with it and just watch what happens. So here it goes. When I asked the Lord to give me scripture to focus on, I opened my Bible to Matthew chapter six and there highlighted in pink, yeah, you heard right, pink, were these verses starting with uh, verse 25. So this is uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more important than food. If that is how God clothes all the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them and pay attention to this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that was Jesus speaking in chapter six of Matthew. And, I, and that was a lot, but what I want you guys to focus on is Jesus is telling us not to worry about what we're going to eat and what we're gonna drink and what we're gonna wear. Instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Too many people focus on the do not worry and skip over seek first his kingdom and his righteousness look i know that um i know that uncertainty freaks people out and with so many folks losing jobs and businesses going down people are acting out all kinds of ways you got you know maybe your mom and dad have Decided to start only leaving the house in Mop 4 with a whole military biohazard suit, nuclear biological chemical suit with a you know, military-grade gas mask. Or maybe uh, your neighbor is building a sustainable aquaponic system in his basement. Uh, maybe granny down the street got her first AR in 200,000 rounds of 556. Five, I'm not saying any of that's good or bad. I, I, some of it I'm 100% supportive. Second Amendment, what's up? We're in Texas, right? Is this technically Texas? Yeah, we're technically in Texas. I wasn't sure if we were in Arkansas or in Texas, but you guys are all about that. It's not for me to say whether that reaction is right or wrong, but my question to you is have we as, have we as a church lost focus? Have we shifted our focus from seeking God's kingdom and righteousness to what we will eat and drink and wear to our, our, our survival? just like Jesus told us not to do? Or are we still fighting the good fight of the faith? The moment we start spending more time focusing on ourselves instead of seeking the kingdom and the righteousness of God, we stop glorifying God. And he's worthy of that glory. So today I'd like to share three stories. Now these are success stories, moments of uncertainty, where I and others have have personally stepped out of our comfort zone when there was plenty to worry about, when we could have been worried about dying, much less food and water and where we were going to sleep, making sure we have clothes. We stepped out of our comfort zone and watched God do amazing things. We watched his miracles unfold. But I have to confess, I don't always succeed in that. We're all going to fail at some point. Sometimes we just have these these stressors that, that cling to us, but that's when you have to overcome your emotions and overcome the flesh and instead focus on the mission that God has handed to you, whatever that is, whether that's being a missionary overseas, whether that's being a pastor, whether that's being a teacher, whether that's being a businessman, that's what you need to focus on is the mission that God has given to you, not what you're going to eat, not what you're going to drink, not what you're going to wear. In September 2018, I had just returned uh, as a student to Toccoa Falls College. It's a Bible college in Northeast Georgia, a wonderful missions-oriented school. And I had spent the previous two years in Iraq and Syria with the Free Burma Rangers. And I had returned to finish my education. I was so fired up by what I had experienced. I mean, I'd, I'd been on the front line, deep behind enemy lines. You know, I'd rescued people under fire, and, and I'd, 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 I'd gotten to uh, just experience God blinding my enemies and, and him showing up in mighty ways. That was all during the, the battle for Mosul, which was some of the worst urban combat since World War II. And, and I here I come back uh, to this college and I was so fired up and I wanted to share with the other younger students at the college what it means to lead a life where instead of being led by fear and comfort and pride, you choose to be led by the Spirit. You choose to be led by God. And uh, one day I was invite, invited to speak at Student Missions Fellowship. This was uh, September of 2018. I was invited to speak at Student Missions Fellowship about my time overseas. This was about three days before Hurricane Florence slammed into Wilmington, North Carolina. And so I got up there and I shared my various experiences overseas and you have all of these young faces there, and they're getting fired up, man. They just, they're ready to go. They're gonna just storm the gates. And at the end of, of uh, my speaking engagement I decided well hey we have an opportunity right now I don't, I don't view this hurricane as an inconvenience this is an opportunity to glorify the Lord I said hey in three days this hurricane's gonna make landfall who's coming with me and 16 college students and one marine who was on pre-deployment leave getting ready to go to Afghanistan instead of hitting hitting the town volunteered his time, we all decided that we were gonna go and respond to this hurricane and provide some relief somehow, some way. And so I started contacting the various local churches and and trying to put feelers out there, figuring out what we're gonna do. And I had no idea what I was doing. It was awesome. It was awesome because I had no idea what was gonna happen, but I knew it was an opportunity to step out in faith, to not worry about those little details, just step out in faith and focus on the mission that the Lord had put into my heart. And so eventually, I got through a contact with FBR. I got set up with the United Cajun Navy. Maybe some of y'all have heard of them. There's good old boys from down in south Louisiana with airboats. And I mean, they're they some backwoods dude. But they will head into a hurricane and the flooding and pull people out of their houses. And so I made contact with them. And I took two sedans, an SUV, and a truck with two trailers. And we headed into the hurricane. Drove all the way through. To a korean baptist church and by the time we showed up at the united cajun navy home base they were almost out of food and water they had one case of water left and a, and a box of those star kissed tuna and crackers and i had pallets of food and i had pallets of water but more importantly what i showed up with was 16 motivated young students filled with the holy spirit ready to serve they weren't focused on oh man i'm worried about where i'm gonna sleep They weren't worried about, man, what's going to happen while we're out there. They were just excited to be there and have an opportunity to serve the Lord in such a wonderful way to to potentially save lives. And so anybody with medical training, I I, I set them up with a boat team, and they would go out, and they would pull people out of flooding houses. And then anybody who didn't have medical training was there at the home base, and they were serving, and I had been out uh, pulling people from uh, their flooding houses. And when I came back about the middle of the night on that first day, these college students had organized a dispatch system using their applications and all their technology. I don't even know how that stuff works. I'm just old enough to not understand exactly what was going on. But they were using social media platforms and Zello and all these other apps in order to coordinate rescue missions and then using maps.me to help guide the boat drivers through the flooding waters to the areas that needed it. And Folks, when we set out on that journey, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know where we would go or sleep. We didn't know what we'd be eating. We only knew that we were going to go and glorify God by loving and serving others well. And because of that, we pulled 155 people from flooding houses. We had an opportunity to pray for them, to give them shelter, to give them food, to give them water. All because we weren't bogged down by these little details. Instead, we kept our eyes on that big picture, an omniscient, omnipotent God. My favorite part of this story is when we first got there, we gathered in the sanctuary of the church that was home base. We gathered, a couple of the girls sang a worship song and we prayed together. And while we were praying, another former Marine came in and this guy was tatted up. He's just a rough dude. He was actually in my same battalion. He had tattoos all the way down from his neck to his knuckles. And he sat there and he watched us. And a few months later, I found out on Facebook, I saw that he had gone and been baptized. I said, dude, wow, welcome. Welcome to the body of Christ, man. Like, you're, you're a brother now, not just because we're Marines, but you're a brother in Christ. And he said, yeah, you know, when I saw you guys gathering together and praying and worshiping God, I realized something was missing in my own life. And that set them on this path to seek redemption. And that is what it's all about. Bringing people into reconciliation with God. It was an amazing experience. And now some of those college students are seeking to do the same kind of work. And it's fun to watch them get set on fire to go and do relief missions. So please keep them in your prayers. Several months after that hurricane, spring break was coming up. At the time, I was 32 years old, and when you're 32 years old and you're married, you don't really head for the beach during spring break. And I was sitting in Acts. I was taking Acts of the Apostles, and I was sitting in class, and right before class, there was a young Hispanic man that sat behind me. I'd been reading about the situation in Venezuela, where at the time, there'd been a nationwide power outage. The grid had gone down for Four days. Some of you may already know, but the corrupt socialist regime in Venezuela is headed up by a narco-trafficking dictator named Maduro, and he's run the country into the ground. Over four million people have actually fled Venezuela, more than the Syrian civil war by now, and there is a basic lack of medicine, food, other necessities. And I was sitting in Acts of the Apostles, and I, and I, I wanted to go and help. I had no idea how. I only had so much money. I had about enough money to get down there, maybe buy some meds. And get back but i turned around to the gentleman sitting behind me He's a young man named uh jehoshaphat and he grew up in ecuador and he spoke fluent spanish my spanish is okay his is perfect and i said hey man what are you doing for spring break he's like oh man i think i'm going to go to the beach And i was like well why don't you come with me and we'll fly down to colombia and sneak into venezuela and see what we can do about the situation He said, well, I'll pray about it, but yeah, man, I think I want to go. This kid had also been with me on the the hurricane mission. (laughs) And as we were preparing to buy plane tickets, I I was, uh, this is several days later, he had prayed and, and just felt convicted about the situation, and he wanted to go and help and see what we could do. And we were getting ready to buy plane tickets, and I had a call from my friend Ephraim Matos. Ephraim Matos is former SEAL Team 5. He had been with me. Uh, with the free Burma Rangers he'd been shot in the leg during a rescue mission actually and he started his own organization in the past couple years it's called stronghold rescue and relief and Ephraim gave me a call and said hey man you want to make this a stronghold mission I'll pay for your plane tickets I'll pay for your lodging and I'll give you a thousand dollars for humanitarian aid ladies and gentlemen this is not an offer that you turn down and so we made it a stronghold mission Plane tickets taken care of, housing taken care of, food taken care of, all because we're just stepping out in faith and trusting in God to provide. And we got down there, and when we got down there through some other connections, I was put in touch with missionaries who work inside Venezuela. Oh, I forgot one of the most important parts. This is an important learning part. I was put in touch with another missionary that had been in Venezuela, and he fled the country when things started getting rough. Uh, he had family to take care of and everything. But I talked to him on the phone, and I said, hey, man, I'm, this is before we even got the plane ticket secured. I said, hey, man, I'm thinking of going down to Colombia and trying to help with the situation in Venezuela. What do you think? And he said, no. No, man, you can't go down to Colombia. You can't go to part, that part of Colombia. You're going to get killed. You're going to get killed by the narco traffickers, or you're going to get killed by these guys who uh, – uh, take money from the people who are trying to cross the border through the illegal boarding crossings the uh, border crossings the trochas they'll kill you bro you're not you can't go down there and he planted this little seed of fear in my heart and I started to worry i said oh man what's going to happen what's going to happen when i go down there what if what if i get attacked what if i get arrested i don't want to go to i've never been to jail been shot at i think going to jail scares me more i'm too nice to go to jail i can't stab somebody Just kidding. He planted the seed of fear in my heart. And that's when I had to step out in faith anyway and trust that God was going to do something great. And that's when my friend Ephraim Matos called me. And and I said, no, that's that's confirmation. We're going to go. And we got down there and we made connections with local missionaries that were working out of Venezuela. And because of them, instead of crossing ourselves, we were able to purchase the necessary meds $1,500 $1,500 worth of medicine to go in which could have treated anywhere between five and 15,000 people, depending on how those meds were used. We, we set up the basic foundation for Stronghold's current ministry in that part of the world, operating out of Cacuta, Colombia. Folks, every single one of us is subject to worry and anxiety. But we we're also given this amazing gift by our creator called free will. The ability to choose what we are going to do with what God gives us. We can set aside our worry and still act in obedience in spite of how we feel. And I've found in my own experience when I'm focused on the task that God has given me, I cease to worry. I don't fret and wring my hands and scream aloud, what will I eat? What, what am I going to sleep? Where am I going to sleep? And what am I going to wear? Instead, I put one foot in front of the other and step out in obedience and focus on my primary mission as a follower of Christ, which is bringing glory to the amazing God that I serve. <sighs> After I graduated from Toccoa Falls College, my wife and I resumed our work with the Free Burma Rangers. For Some of you that watch the news, you may have seen this. Uh, In October of last year, Turkey and its proxy fighters, they use mostly this militia called Free Syrian Army and it's comprised of ISIS, former ISIS members and other jihadists, people who have uh, committed massive amounts of war crimes. They use them to wage war on the Kurds, formerly allies of the United States, but we actually turned our backs on them and left the country, left that part of the country and left them to fight alone. The Kurds were left in the dust and they were attacked and FBR sent in a team immediately. And two weeks before I returned to Syria with my wife, a good friend of mine and a long time member, of the free burma rangers by the name of zao saying he was killed in a strike by turkey when they targeted one of our vehicles he was killed on his daughter's first birthday and i would be lying to you if i said it didn't faze me because this this is an unseen enemy you're talking about when you're talking about the the people you're facing having drones and superior weapons and technology, the ability to take you out at the push of a button. That's horrifying. There's nothing you can do about it but trust in God. I've been shot at and faced car bombs and mortars, but this was different. This was standing alongside the underdogs. The idea of running around on the ground being targeted by drones scared me. But we returned to Syria nonetheless out of obedience to a calling that we were given a long time ago. And one day, our team rolled into an area called Ainissa. Ainissa means the eyes of Jesus. And when we rolled in, not 90 seconds were we out of our vehicles, and a 120 mortar came in and hit a house, killed one of the Kurdish soldiers there. And myself and some others of the team responded, carried some of the wounded out. And we thought that we were going to get invaded and overrun. But as a team, we made the decision to stay there, my wife included, and help as best we could. That night, the Kurds received a call that a drone strike had happened on the front line. It had killed at least one and wounded three others. And the leader of our team, David Eubank, he said, Who's going? And I was afraid, so I raised my hand. I was afraid, so I raised my hand because I don't want to make a decision based on fear. All of us should endeavor to do that. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power. And so two others of our team exercised the courage that God gave them, and they raised their hands, and we piled into one of our, hum- uh, one of our ambulances And we went forward, and I was so scared. When we got out, could have sworn I could hear the drone. sounding like somebody mowing the lawn in the clouds. I was afraid and I was worried, but I acted out of obedience to God. And because of that, we saved the lives of these others. We managed to bring three casualties back, and with honor returned another dead curd. We carried out the greatest of the commandments given to us to love God and to love others. And in those moments, God was glorified. Every single one of us is subject to worry and anxiety, but we need to keep going. We need to be willing to adhere to the mission given to us, and that's the glorification of the one who created us. I hope this has given you a little perspective today and Perhaps even ease some of the burden that you're carrying in some trying times. I I understand there's so much to worry about. But when we keep our eyes on Christ, when we follow Him and imitate Him, those other things will be provided for us. He tells us that. That's a promise from Jesus to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessings you have given us. We thank you for the roof over our head. We thank you for the food in our bellies and that we live in a place where clean water isn't so hard to come by. We thank you that we can worship you openly without having to fear for our lives, without fear of oppression. And Lord, help us to set aside our worry and our fears and instead focus on your kingdom and your righteousness. Help us to continue on that path that you have set, up, set out before us in the midst of all the chaos in the world. We love you Lord, we praise you. In the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much.
1: So